What is it like for this man who has been at the pool for 38 years and now coming out of that into this world that left him behind and that he doesn't recognize anymore? How many things do you think changed in 38 years? Our CMA missionaries go away for four-year stints, and when they come back, one of the first things that they have to do is spend time in reorientation because the America that they left four years ago is not the America they're, they're coming back into. I had one of our friends, he was sharing his testimony one time when he was back from uh, being overseas, and, and he said he went into the store to buy Kool-Aid. His wife was in the car and said, go in and get some Kool-Aid. He went in the store to get Kool-Aid. Half an hour later, she parked the car because she was worried he had had a heart attack or something happened. So she runs in the store to find out what had happened, and he is standing in front of a wall of Kool-Aid. And he has no idea what to do. All the flavors, with sugar, without sugar, with Splenda, with this, with that. He has no idea. He needed reorientation to Kool-Aid. What was it like for this man? 38 years he had been out of life. What would that be like for him to re-enter? The third cost is responsibility. I love Dallas Willard's definition of responsibility. He says that responsibility simply means that we are response-able. It means that I am able to do something about what I see. Therefore, I have a responsibility now to do something. This illness that he had had deferred his ability to respond. Jesus was now, if he healed him, he was going to make him response-able. He was going to be responsible to find a job. He was going to be responsible to go and find a home and food for himself. He would need to figure out how to cook and care and everything else that all of us have to do. He was going to have to go do that. He was going to have to deal with the emotional angst, maybe resentment and anger with the friends and relatives who dropped him off and abandoned him. He was going to be responsible for his actions and the consequences of those actions. He couldn't blame the illness anymore. You notice, immediately, he's in controversy. Why? Because he's walking and he carried his mat and the, and the Pharisees call him on it immediately. What are you doing? Dude, the guy's been lying there for 38 years. He's up and walking. It is an act of God. But he is responsible for what he does and he is in controversy immediately. But family, we, we know that this is the gospel. We who were dead in our sin, helpless and hopeless, have been given a new life in Christ through the cross and his resurrection. The new life in Christ as his disciple. Jesus is not just offering us a rehab. He's not offering us a little bit of adjustment in our life. He is not giving us a patch. He's saying, hey, this is a whole new life. This is a completely different operating system. This is completely new. 
The old is dead. The new has come. When Jesus brings healing, cognitive, physical, emotional, and spiritual, this is his life in us, given to us, a new life, a new start, a complete change. Paul writes this to the Corinthian church, addressing these very issues. They seemed to be eager for the gospel, but the Corinthian church didn't seem to get that this meant a completely different way of living. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20 here. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Jesus had disciples just like us. They were waiting for all kinds of different things. They were waiting for political healing. They were waiting for spiritual healing. They were waiting for physical healing, relational healing. They wanted Messiah to come and set their issues right. They wanted him to fix things for them. And he is clear to tell his disciples that if what they want is this in Christ life, it is about everything and that the cost is high. To be a disciple of Jesus, you and I will have to recognize our new identity. Paul writes, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Who I was has died in Christ. I have to learn to live in my new identity. Who I am in Christ is how I live my life. The old has gone, the new has come. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. How does that work in 2023 America? We like hearing that? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Our identity in Christ comes with him being Lord. recognizing new identity. Secondly, to be a disciple of Jesus, it, is, it means that there will be a reorientation of life. The way I look at all life has changed. I have to learn to live again. My new identity comes with learning how to live, think, act, every aspect. I do not look at people the same. I do not look at life or the moments of my days in the same way. Everything has changed. I am not who I was. And how I see the world must change to be how God sees the world in every part of my being. Thirdly, to be a disciple of Jesus comes with responsibility. As God's agent in this world, I am now responsible. I am responsible as God's ambassador 
all of my life is his. There is no casual conversation with anyone. Even when I'm talking about my beloved Ohio State Buckeyes, I'm sorry, I know as a University of Michigan grad here, but even when I'm talking about my Buckeyes, I need to love my brother and my sister. I have no excuses to not be an ambassador of Christ. All of my life is his. Whether I'm on Facebook or Twitter, in my home, in my workplace, at the grocery store, at the church, at the hotel this morning as I was leaving there, it makes me responsible for how I live my life going forward, choosing to either live in sin, which is against God's design, or in ways that are for His design, which please Him, choosing to live His design or my own design. It makes me responsible to care for others even when I don't want to. To forgive, to work through things as much as it is up to me, to love them, to show grace, to be in Christ in the life of others. To forgive those who hurt me, even abandoned me. For those of you who have had struggles as you came to Christ and people walked away from you, you understand what I'm saying. Even when they have done those things, I don't have the ability, I don't have the right to hate them. I am still an ambassador of the king in their lives. I don't get to walk away. To forgive those who hurt, maybe even abandoned us in our time of need. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. Brothers and sisters, do you understand? Your presence in your home, your presence in your workplace, your presence in your school, your presence in the everyday things of life is God in you, appealing to those around you, calling out to them, saying, come be mine. This is what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus. Over the last three years, I've been asking about the lack of discipleship in so many of our churches. COVID, politics, all kinds of fear, anxiety, the chaos in people's lives has, has revealed to me the failure of discipleship. One author writes, what you win them with is what you win them to. It may be that we have invited people to a gospel which requires no recognition of new identity, no reorientation, and absolutely no responsibility. That's why when COVID hit, when a crisis that we, none of us had ever seen the size of hit, the church acted exactly like the rest of the world. I, I'm embarrassed when people who do not know anything about God is calling us, is lecturing us about racial reconciliation 
or about loving one another. What in the world? Our Lord and Master wrote the book. This is who we are. We are the people of reconciliation. Why is the world lecturing us? What have we lost? The gospel that we have preached and believe seemed to allow Jesus to just get comfortably added to who we are. He, he gets a nice guest room. Come, come stay with me. Come live in my house. That's not the way that Paul approached this Christian life. By the way, that first one's called syncretism. I'll add Jesus to everything else in my life. Paul writes to the Colossian church and says this, When Christ, who is your life, appears, let me say that again, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Lordship does not allow any of us to just add Jesus to our life. He is our life. It's interesting to me how this story ends. Jesus shows back up and talks with this man after the authorities had questioned him. Jesus reveals who he is, and he gives him this instruction. He says, don't go back to your old life of sin. We're not told what the sin is, but we understand very clearly that he was afflicted because of his sin. Guys, I know that you guys have really good pastors, and, and I know um, uh, Pastor Steve particularly. I've heard his sermons online. I know he stays in the Word. I know he teaches you well. But, but if you would pardon me for just a moment, I want to make sure that you understand this piece, even as we look at this portion of the story. Scripture is very clear that all illness is the result of original sin, Adam's sin. Adam's sin brought every form of death into this world. So what we see is this. Some illnesses are because we live in a broken, death-filled world. Viruses, cancer, Alzheimer's, you name it, it's there because of this world that we live in. The second thing we see in Scripture is that some death is because of the sinful actions of others. The effect of their behaviors affect us, abuse, chaos, drunk drivers, whatever else. The third piece is what Jesus is addressing here. Other death, specific things, there are specific things that are illness and misery that comes because of our own personal sin. In this particular case, Jesus tells him clearly, don't go back to your life of sin. In fact, Jesus only does this, in, including this, only does this two times in the entire Gospels. Why am I staying on this piece? When you have a brother or sister, when you are walking through these hard places, I, some of you may have prolonged illnesses that you're walking through. Well-meaning, well-intentioned brothers and sisters sometimes come and give us comments that actually cause more injury to our walk in Christ. Unless... You are sure, unless the Lord has prophetically spoken to you that this person's illness is because of their sin, please, brothers and sisters, I implore you, I beg of you, don't cause harm to their faith in God in this tragedy. By telling them that it's because of their sin, 
You don't know unless God has specifically shown you something. Have mercy. Have grace for one another. It is part of that ambassador call to us. Don't speak things that the king has not spoken into. But Jesus points out to this man very clearly that this is the reason for his illness. Do you see what the man does right after this conversation? The man goes and reports Jesus to the authorities. Does this make you wonder why? Uh, there are other stories where the leaders come and question the person again. In this story, no one's questioning him anymore. They already questioned him and let him go. Jesus comes back and speaks to him. The man decides to go and betray Jesus to turn him in as soon as he understood the cost of his healing. Jesus says, you have a new life to live. He turns around and betrays him. Maybe it's the cost, like I said, of the healing. Maybe it is because he challenged his sin. Maybe it's because the man just realized that everything he had leaned on for the last 38 years is gone. And he, his fame, right? There's fame that comes even with illness. You guys know what I'm saying, right? There are, there's, there's benefits of staying stuck in certain things that we begin to enjoy. Maybe this man just realized that all of it is gone when Jesus healed him. We don't know why he betrays Jesus. But we are left to wonder, how about us? When we are asking God for healing in our lives, physical, cognitive, spiritual, emotional, what are we asking for? Are we asking for Jesus to come to be everything for us, to come and give us a new life? Are we asking Jesus to come be everything to us? Or do we just want what's in his hand? Scripture instructs us over and over again to seek his face. How many of us live our discipleship walks simply seeking his hand? We don't want to look at him. Just give me what you got. That's not discipleship. Do you want to get well? Do you want the healing that he offers? But maybe not him. When the cost of living the new life that Jesus has given us overwhelms us, will we push into our identity in him, recognizing who we are? Will we reorient our life to him instead of trying to reorient him to our life? Will we live into the responsibility he has given us in this healing? Or will we walk away? Turn him in. I don't know where you are, brothers and sisters. 
But I believe that God is asking you something inside of you. I don't need to know what it is. But if he is stirring something inside, the pool was stirred, they believed, when God in some action through an angel was moving something to bring healing. If he's stirring your heart, it's not because an angel wants to heal you. If he's stirring your heart, child of God, he is calling to you to be all his. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Would you ask God what he is speaking to you? What's the stirring inside? If there is something that he is asking you to confess and deal with, please do that. If he's not asking you anything, please don't make up anything. You don't need to go find a problem. Maybe this is already the walk that you have and you are rejoicing in that. Rejoice in him. Let me pray for you. Lord, would you teach us to recognize and live into the identity that we have in you. Those of us who are struggling with knowing who we are in you, Lord, uh, so many of the men here were at the conference and they were rejoicing in knowing who they are in you. Would you help them to be able to share to others? Lord, would you reorient our life to you? Would you show us in decisions or in the way that we live our life or whatever it is that is going on, would you show us how to reorient ourselves to you by your Spirit's work? Everything that your Spirit is prompting, may we respond with, yes, Lord, I will go that way, your way, not my way. When you show us things, Lord, that we need to live into because now we are response-able. Would you give us courage? Spirit of God, would you give us strength? Lord of the heavens, we sang this morning, we read in response that you are our strength. Would you give us strength to step into those places of responsibility that you have given us to love others, to reach into their lives as ambassadors of God, the kingdom coming to them through us. Would you help us, Lord? Holy Spirit, we cannot live this disciple walk that you call us to unless it is you at work in our life and through our life. Would you come fall upon us? Would you come take charge? Would you come and do all that you want to do in us. Bring healing. Bring restoration. But most of all, bring us you. We want you. We praise you, Lord. We rejoice.